Welcome to Tripod, our travel retail themed podcast series in collaboration with the SIVA Group. I'm Martin Moody. I'm Roger Jackson. Roger, great to be back again as we plow on with series two. And in a few moments, we've got a very special guest once again to introduce. But before we do, I want to talk about one of the really burning issues that faces our business. And I know it's something that uh, you feel is of urgent importance. That's all about availability in the supply chain. So tell us your thoughts. You know, the biggest challenge our industry faces now, post-pandemic, is availability. So I think if you go to most international airports now, you'll see really poor availability on spirits, on wine, on champagne, on cognac, on cigars, tobacco, electronics. It's across the board, Martin, and this isn't an attack on any one brand owner or any one category. The general challenge we face globally now is availability of product. And I think because of the margin model in travel retailer, so as we know, in travel retailers, we know concession agreements, et cetera, retailer, airport, brand owner, uh, you know, as, as you have always called it, the trinity. I think because of that unique nature in our industry versus, say, domestic retailers, which is a B2B, a straight, you know, two-person relationship, uh, margins are challenging for brand owners in this industry. Um, and when they make their decisions on where to put the availability of product they've got, obviously, travel retail is going to be a lower down in that pecking order. So I think that's number one. Number two, there's the global freight challenges, and we're an international business. Number three is the availability of raw materials, glass, cardboard, cork, you know, packaging, cellophane, you name it. You know, there's availability issues globally. And then the fourth is production constraints because of social distancing, especially in the UK, Scotland, et cetera, when you talk about spirits. So I think when you throw all of that together, number one, there's the appetite of brand owners bringing availability into travel retail because of margin structure. And then there's the other three areas that I've just mentioned that are global anyway. I think we're in for 12 to 18 months of real, real availability issues across the board, whether it's iPhones, you know, Rolex watches, you know, perfume, whiskey, you name it, across the board. I think our next big challenge as an industry is, um, is availability. And my ask, and I think from an industry perspective, is that brand owners... Don't forget about travel retail. We will be back. They will need us in the future. Uh, our passengers are, you know, are very important. As people talk about, it's a great way for brand building. And we've seen many brands build their brands in travel retail. And my ask is that, yes, you are going to have to make some tough choices, but don't walk away from travel retail because I think it's a regret you'll have in a few years, few years to come. Um, yeah. But I hope it's something we can all get a solution on quite quickly. Yeah, very well articulated, a, a pressing issue uh, of our times. So, Roger, we'll monitor that with uh, a fair degree of anxiety and, and hope the situation eases, but it's going to be a painful uh, few months ahead. I, I agree with you. Well, Roger, moving on from there, we've got a special guest to bring in. Um, without any further ado, shall we do just that? Yeah, let's do it. So this episode's special guest is Manishi Sanwa, co-founder and managing director at Voiceback Analytics in Mumbai, our first India-based guest and someone very well known in the travel retail and luxury community from his years with Mumbai Duty Free and Flamingo 
and LVMH before setting off on his current journey as a data entrepreneur. Manishi, welcome to Tripod. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, Roger. Uh, very, very happy to be here. Nice to see familiar faces uh, after a long break. Thank you. Yeah, good to see you too, Manishi. Yeah, we're delighted to have you with us, Manishi. So look, before I hand over to my co-host, just a quick uh, recap, if, if you will, Manishi, for our the viewers and listeners out there on what the situation is in India right now with, with COVID. You had it very tough uh, for a long time, but you were saying off air that things are better now. So the, the, yeah, the current one looks to be uh, surely less, uh, less dangerous. Uh, it did peak very, very strongly during the early part of uh, Jan, but it also came down uh, pretty quickly. Uh, so at least metros like Delhi, Mumbai are now have opened or are opening up or are 60, 70% open. Uh, in, in, in the secondary cities and towns, uh, it is still peaking up. Uh, but clearly there is very, very minimal damage. I mean, either because of the variant or because of the vaccine. Uh, it, I mean, governments did a very nice job of, you know, of uh, ensuring vaccine to about such a large uh, population. Uh, but uh, I guess it, it, it seems to be in a controlled, you know, we don't, we, we're not worried about it. We are not seeing deaths around. Uh, so touch wood looks to be as good as a spot as you can be in. That's really good to hear. And obviously, you know, not only, you know, uh, India had a terrible time of it last year, at the early part of the year, but I guess also for our industry as well, because that's what we're here to talk about today. Uh, Indian subcontinent plays a huge part in travel retail. And I think if we're seeing uh, a smaller impact uh, with this new variant in India, that really gives the rest of the world, I, I think, a lot of confidence, given how badly you guys, unfortunately, were hit earlier on in the year. Yeah. I, I guess from here, Manisha, I'm going to go to probably the early days. Um, so I guess it really is a bit of early life. I'm fascinated to hear about that. You know, where was that? What was that like? And I guess, what were the key influences before, you know, you started your career? Where does it all go back to? I come, actually, I come from a very, very, very small town up in the north. I mean, you know, uh, it's, it's a place called Kurdwar. Uh, most people won't, even in India, most people have not heard of it. <laughs> um, and uh, just, you know, and we were, so my, my dad was uh, a teacher in a, in a, in a government college. Uh, I have the distinction, you know, very dubious distinction of having my mother, father, mother-in-law, father-in-law and wife uh, as teachers. Uh, so I come from the small town. I think, you know, few good things which happened. One was that uh, uh, my father was, uh, uh, you know, a PhD in English and therefore uh, we were encouraged to learn English. So that brings in one, uh, one thing which has helped us uh, shape our careers. Uh, and then from there, you know, we have, uh, uh, just to give you a sense of the growing up days, there was no television in our houses, uh, you know, till I was probably in class 12th or 11th, there was no television, no phone, uh, obviously no internet. So that's the kind of uh, early life. Um, and then eventually, uh, you know, we all, so the way um, after class, there was no school after class 10th. Uh, so for 11th and 12th, you have to go to a different city and live there. And I lived on my own uh, in a room uh, on rent. Uh, and then you know, I did my engineering. Any, what age did you live on your own? 10, 10 years old? Uh, no, no, it, I would have been uh, 13 or 13, 14, 14 year old, probably. 14, wow. 14 years old. 
so I, I there, you know, I can cook food because I've been cooking for me since those days. Uh, and then I did my engineering, and you know, that was the time when the world opened up. You know, you you went out to a big city. Uh, subsequently, I did an MBA from uh, uh, from a place called Indian Institute of Management, Ahmedabad, uh, which is one of the best known B schools from India. uh and even at that point you know if somebody would have questioned if would have voted uh, if i would ever work in or if who would work in lvmh uh, i would have been at the bottom of the you know <laughs> bottom of that list because i was a very very small town uh and then you know luck has it and chance plays a role i uh, ended up uh, meeting uh, you know a gentleman called ravi thakran who's uh, who's quite popular or who was quite a big leader in lvmh in those days uh, they were opening up india you know and that's how i landed in the watch industry um, uh, but i was a supply chain consultant you know i was doing um, uh, supply chain consulting after my b school i bumped into someone on a flight who offered me a job uh, so that's how i got into tag heuer lvmh and then since then in a certain way have stayed with the group you know so i went to china uh, within lvmh lived in uh, shanghai Uh, for about uh, three years, uh, I have traveled, visited about thirty cities in China. At one point of time, I was reasonably fluent in uh, in Mandarin. Uh, then I came back, and then you know, within LVMH, I moved from Tag Heuer to DFS, uh, and that was the time when I became a part of travel retail industry, running Mumbai. Uh, and then subsequently, um, DFS sold off their stake. Uh, in india to flamingo and then i joined flamingo so that's been the 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 large part of uh, the journey and how um, just going back to you know you joining such a huge business not in travel retail but globally is in terms of lvmh what was that like especially with your background as you said you didn't think it was perhaps uh, natural yeah. it was going to happen what was that like to suddenly arrive at that business and Start no, you know, one was the social side of it. You know, we were quite uh, small town guys having. You know, we for me, uh, a beer or a scotch or a wine was all. You know, and suddenly you are in a group which is appreciating some you know expensive uh, champagnes out there. Uh, so the first few days, first few you know few months or years were a bit awkward. But very soon you realize that LVMH being LVMH, actually, at, and you know, actually. at the back end is a professional company you know so the what you see of lvmh brands is a projection which has been done for a customer uh, but the workplace is like any other workplace you know the month end pressure is as sharp uh, as you would get in probably an fmcg environment uh, and then over time you realize that you know even the uh, the top bosses uh, continue with the joke and you know i heard Uh, a ceo saying that you know i can't understand which wine is good which is bad uh, so that very soon you realize that you know everybody is having you know it, it's not that there are some people who know more about it you are out for a dinner enjoy and go back home nobody is looking at you and you don't need to look at anyone so you know as that progressed we got more comfortable um, work wise it was never a challenge because you know i always believed that eventually decision making is on how you apply certain logics uh, and those co- those underlying logics don't change you know if you are in an fmcg or you are in a consumer durable or you are in luxury goods uh, 
the approach in a way remains the same. The price point is changed different, the distribution is different. So work-wise, I was never, you know, I was probably very, very comfortable. Uh, but yes, it took some time to accept the social reality that, you know, that's it, everybody's out to have fun, just have it. And how was the transition uh, from brand management or commercial brand management into retailing? Because obviously when I met you, we've known each other probably a decade now, 10 years, and I've spent many a great day in India, including my first IPL cricket game at Mumbai Indians with you. Uh, so I've been lucky enough to spend quite a lot of time with yourself in India. But when I met you, you were already obviously CEO of Flamingo and you were the managing director of uh, Mumbai Duty Free. What was that transition like? Because that was a real big difference to what you were doing to where you ended up. It's, it's you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest difference from is that, uh, you know, Tag Heuer was a marketing brand, you know, so there is uh, your largest, your largest line on the PNL is marketing spend. Uh, so most of the work which you are doing is about, you know, either media, marketing, positioning, brand ambassador, those kind of things. You come to travel retail, which in those days did not even have a marketing line. Uh, there is no marketing, you know, you can do VM, you can do the entire concept revolves around people are traveling. Uh, so it was a big shock and Mumbai, uh, being Mumbai has a lot of stories. Uh, you know, those were the old airport days. Uh, I remember telling my wife that, you know, if you, if you see my office, uh, you will ask me to resign. Uh, but the good part is that you can never see my office because it is inside the airport. Uh, so it, yeah, that was quite, uh, the old airport was quite a challenge. Uh, but I think I never, uh, I enjoyed it. I never went there to, you know, I, when I went there, it was apparently I'm going for two years, three years. I was always from Delhi. I went to shift it, relocate it to Mumbai. It was only that, you know, I'll go there for a couple of years, three years. And then eventually I ended up being there for, I would say seven, seven years plus. Uh, did a lot of things, saw a lot of things, but very nice experience. Uh, it was quite a shock at the beginning. <laughs> and I, I guess I always knew, obviously I knew you were one of the most articulate and analytical uh managing directors have come across of airports. And I'm not just saying that because you were on the call. Uh, that is a really, you know, that's genuine praise. You always knew your business. You could tell me top 20 issues, top 20 nationalities, and we did quite all walks together. So I could always see that side. But even I was a little shocked when, you know, you went and as the founder of Voiceback uh, Analytics with your sister, how did all of that come about? And then I guess the big jump when I'm sure you jumped over to start scaling the business. So I guess two questions, how did all of that come about? And then what about that big jump, you know, jump of faith when you actually then left um, Flamingo to go and run your own business? So Roger, you know, uh, I was always analytical in approach. Uh, so, you know, uh, I, I'm always good. I was good at numbers and therefore I always had that side of it. Uh, DFS also being a very a number centric company encouraged me more to, to behave like that uh, in a certain way. Uh, and then the third thing, which is important out here is that I had, you know, I've been wanting to do something of my own for many years. Uh, and when I say many, you know, unfortunate or fortunately, uh, you know, life always got uh, a bit interesting and better. So you, there was never a moment 
uh, when you can just let it go because you know when i first thought of doing something on my own my boss said why don't you go to shanghai uh, now you know operating a brand in mainland china you can't say no to it uh, then again after 2 3 years when i was thinking okay fine i have seen the world let me go back i was offered indian subcontinent as a pnl head uh, ceo uh, again it was a point and then you know then dfs happened it was more like a challenge wherein i remember telling uh, michael shriver in those days that you know uh, there are very few people who can sort mumbai for you uh, i can do it the question is whether i want to do or not um, so you know it was always then the new terminal happened uh, so it was always that life kept on pushing and you know eventually i was reaching uh, 44 45 uh, i was shed below 45 in those days and th- that's the point when i said that no i have to do it and if i have to do it it has to be now it i can't do it because you know if i do it at 45 i still get 15 years uh, to develop something uh, once i had made up my mind that i am getting out of a job no matter what i had a discussion with flamingo and atol and all uh, then the question was what will i do uh, and it, it, even in that time i was very clear that i don't want to become an operator because i don't think it was nice for me to have learned so much from a flamingo or dfs and then go out and start on your own path so i didn't want to do the same thing again you know um, so that was very clear that i will not you know i probably don't want to open my own stores or do anything of that sort uh, and one thing which i which uh, always uh, i used to say that uh, we were unable to analyze our data in normal uh, there was so much data that we couldn't there were information which i wanted but our guys couldn't do it uh, and that and by that time you know i had been visiting my sister and we realized that we have some expertise in that field so that's how we got you know these were pre covid days nobody today data and analytics and all are becoming much much hotter than what they used to be 3 uh, years from now Uh, so that's you know yeah. although to be all fair the first thing was to leave the job and do something of my own uh, and then uh, okay now what should i do and that's how we navigated and you know reached uh, to the point where we have reached oh congratulations uh, not only have i worked alongside you and so as martin actually on a couple of projects i've also watched from afar and i think unfortunately there's only a, really a few good um people in our industry that are doing data and doing it well and you you guys are obviously one of them so big congratulations to you and uh, it was definitely a good move uh, for, for you in i guess your family um just when we we spoke about your career so we spoke about your early days we spoke about LVMH and working with Tag uh, you know great brand and then and obviously working with DFS and then Flamingo is there one or two sort of stakeholders or mentors or even key influencers uh that you could share with us and what they did to help you along with your career so you know my first you know a great influence and a great I, we learned a lot of things was uh, ravi thakran who was uh, you know he, he was a president and ceo of lvmh uh, in the region uh, eventually ran l capital uh, you know uh, and then l catadan Uh, so ravi has been obviously you know he was the one whom i met into a fight and uh, he gave me a job you know i was a supply chain consultant before that so he was the one in a way who started everything obviously he has been you know a great influence uh, since then you know uh, working uh, in dfs obviously uh, the 
another you know great person great personality jo christoph baba uh, he was the ceo of tagore in these days currently ceo of bulgari uh, within the group uh, again you know very very impressive uh, personality and you learn a lot from people like that now, within travel retail uh, i think uh, uh, michael shriver um, himself you know i worked with him though not for very long time but again a lot of energy passion uh, tim delesio was my reporting boss i mean tim is also brings you know an, an operator of uh, great class uh, and lastly i mean atul lahuja from flamingo you know again um, you know as an entrepreneur i think i have learned you know learned a lot uh, there were you know life could be you know there could be a tsunami of problems coming uh, but you would see him always you know in a in a in a controlled demeanor saying okay fine was the next problem let's solve it thanks uh, so you know a lot of people would have contributed with whom we worked closely uh, probably i may have missed you know some 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 good names out there but that's it yeah uh, well some interesting names in there and uh, and some very very well known to me some of whom we'd love to have on this show roger uh michael shriver was on our virtual expo last year and he was absolutely fantastic i don't know if you heard him manishi but uh a treasure trove of knowledge and he's not afraid to express his views as you know either so he was great that was interesting i want to take you uh, along with roger we're going to take you in a few moments to our uh, residence desert island i want to stay in india just to close this section manishi what a fascinating country roger and i have both been there on many occasions i've got many many friends there i read a lot of indian literature i'm just fascinated by this incredibly vast nation and i don't think there's really one india i think there's many many indias um sum up for us in the almost impossibly concise format what does india mean to you in three words yeah three uh... okay so from and i'll probably give in two dimensions you know culturally i think if it has to be the top three words i would probably you know cricket bollywood uh, and it and tech uh, and that's one side of india but the other side is uh, i would say unity and diversity you know it's you did mention uh, i think the best part is for such a diverse group of people and a huge number of people live next to each other you know in a very cordial or you know in a cordial peaceful uh, manner so with the same kind of diversity and same kind of population density uh, living you know living uh, uh, a peaceful life is quite you know quite unique about uh, india to my mind yeah uh, it's it's an amazing country i'm reading a book at the moment called uh, i'm not sure if i'm saying it right manishi but it's it looks like dijin patrol um on the purple line it's a novel by deepa anapara and it's it's just so evocative you have to stop at every sentence and you just get the feeling of the color and the vibrancy and the diversity of the of the country absolutely fascinating so hope we'll um, meet up for a, a, a glass of something in india before very much longer and uh, and also maybe go and watch a cricket match together uh, yeah. but for now we're going to move you outside of india we're going to take you to our residence desert island it does of course have duty free status so we're going to let you have some creature comforts while you're on the island and i'm going to pass over to roger to uh, see just what might uh, uh, tempt your fancy
So Manishi, we're on your desert island uh, and we give everyone this opportunity. You get to pick one book that you'd like to take on the uh, island for you to read. So if you could pick one book to take with you, uh, what would it be and why? So I, uh, there's a book called Freedom at Midnight, you know, by Salman Rushdie. And, uh, you know, Rushdie has gone through a lot of ups and downs. Uh, yeah. It's it's an amazing book. You know, it's one of those books which I have read many times. Uh, and I love, so there is no, you know, there is no plot, so to say, nothing happens or nothing drastic is happening. You know, it's, it's the story of uh, Indian independence, so to say. Uh, but the way it has been written, you know, there are times when I intentionally go slow, you know, I ration my reading, uh, but I really, you know, I really love the, the, the flow and the, you know, the, the, uh, the structure of the book. So I really enjoy, I enjoy reading that book to the extent of, like I said, I ration it sometimes, but okay, let me go slow, otherwise it will get over. Fantastic. Uh, it's a long book as well, so I think it'll... Uh, it's a long book, yeah, it's a long book. <laughs> being on the desert island, at least you've got some nice reading material. Um, I guess probably the most important question of them all now, you're allowed one duty-free item. Um, and because it's you and because you used to run Mumbai duty-free, I might let you have two because um, uh, you don't want to upset anyone. But if you could take maybe one or two items on the island, can be anything you want, anything that you could buy in Mumbai duty-free, what would you take and why? So I do. I mean, okay. I love uh, I love my malt. I love my drink. Uh, but uh, you know, something which I really do look for in duty free stores is these you know is these M and M collectibles. Um, and I have you know I do keep on looking for the new ones. You know, be it that fan or uh, I now have a full you know I have a reasonably big collection uh, at my home. But that's yeah, that's my wife loves it. My kid loves it and. There is there is a wardrobe where every new you know collectible gets placed. How many so have you I got? Do, I do hunt for it, you know, every time. I'm, uh, How many have you got in the wardrobe? I would have by now. I would have about eleven or twelve uh, different designs. Uh, oh, we'll have to uh, we'll have to reach out to Mazen from Mars and uh, and make sure that he looks after you. You, you, you didn't it's, expect it's, that answer, Roger, did you? You did not expect Manishi to say M&M collectible. No, 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 I, you know, I do love my drink. I mean, I'm saying, but you know, this is something which I, which which I do look around. You know, yeah. uh, malt is still it's it's okay if I don't get A, I can get B. Kind, you know, worst case you stay behind a flavor or a palate. Uh, but this is something, and you don't get it very often. You don't uh, you don't get a variety out of it sometimes. Oh, okay. I didn't, Martin. I didn't expect it, but. They're the answers I like. We find out more yeah. about guests. Um, so you're on the island. You've got your Salman Rushdie book. Um, you've got your MMM collectibles. So you've got something to eat. And I guess now you're allowed to take either one album or one piece of music. What music would you take to the island? So music would be... So I am, you know, I'm quite... Uh, uh, quite uh, Indian uh, boy as far as music is concerned uh, so you know and I do prefer uh, the the oldies so to say which would mean probably the music Indian movie industry music of uh, 60s and 70s uh, I mean there is uh, from an artist perspective I mean you know there's, there's a, a singer called Mukesh uh, again very much uh, very much Indian and probably even in India the young generation may not 
may not know him uh, so to say uh, so music i am i'm very much an indian music indian bollywood music i mean i'm not into uh, classical or something but i'm an extremely big fan of indian old bollywood music and if you have to take one if i have to take one it would probably be something from mukesh uh, some some particular song or album from him Perfect. Sounds good. Right. Well, you're going to serenade some very special guests with that music, Manishi. So we're going to put on a really nice dinner for you on the on the desert island. You can have three guests join you. They can be from historical figures or they can be living figures. Anyone at all. Who would be your three guests and why? three is you know one person which has uh, which you know has enamored me lately uh, generally i am not one of those you know who who have too many one person who has enamored me lately is uh, uh, mr satya nadella uh, the ceo of microsoft i mean and we work uh, very closely with the company uh, the the kind of customer focus which such a big uh, company has uh and the way these guys have reshaped it i mean the way uh, what microsoft is today and what it was 5 years back uh is unbelievably different i mean so you know because we work uh, and I, i i may not know how it was 5 years back because i was not you know so much in the tech field uh but satya has done you know a fabulous job i would really uh, love to have him for dinner and the other two i'd probably invite martin and roger uh you both uh to 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 complete my three guests uh, you might need some more duty free supplies if you invite roger roger and me manishi i think and i think you i think you have m and m collections at risk manishi uh if you if you got <laughs> i hope you two will get some more <laughs> we are such a small part of their business insignificant part of their business uh but the kind of customized service which i can get from microsoft is unbelievable uh, and what i understand or whatever i've been reading is that you know he satya has that kind of a customer focus uh, that most of the discussions which they do is not so much about what products they are creating but how much those products are being used uh, and i'm you know uh, uh, a lot of companies either in our industry uh, should probably learn from them because you know it's it's really a company which did not care about me i am just you know no one yeah. uh, but they still do and if they care about me i can imagine what they do for uh, you know for the big partners so to say yeah absolutely a heck of a call out there and 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 well said well manish you see me you've been very generous and brought me and roger to dinner i think roger and i should return the favor and we're going to fly you host the desert island to any holiday destination in the world in the world where would it be and why so i have this really memorable you know and you know sometimes uh, you desire more for things uh, which you can't get uh, right before covid you know we had this memorable new year vacation in uh, uh, in hakuba uh, japan uh, so it, was skiing in a way but i mean i don't ski so it was not so much skiing for me we stayed in a resort called a sierra resorts 
uh, it was unbelievable you know it was all white beautiful snow and it used to snow and there was a nice bar where you can sit and have uh, have a wine uh, and while i still remember you know it was december 31st december while we were in that resort uh, the local news in japan had started talking about some infection happening uh, in uh, in china uh, so you know and we came back from japan saying you know this is something which we should definitely do uh, every year and you know till today we are still waiting for uh, things to open up uh, but very very quaint very nice beautiful experience okay sounds very and, uh, you know last last holiday before covid hit <laughs> and so oh. that's all right, all right, Manishi. Roger, I'm going to pass over to you one final word. Um, Manishi's not spoken much about his business, but it's a it's a th it's a thriving young business despite having started it in a very difficult time. But you've had a lot of dealings with Manishi. You think very, very highly of him. I know you recommended to him to me for a project we did a while back, and he did it very well. Um, so, how how do you know Manishi, and um, and where did that Kind of ranking of him come from? I think there's two things, Martin. I touched on it slightly earlier, and I don't want to embarrass uh, Manishi, so uh, he, may, he may go a little red with this. But as I genuinely said, I was lucky enough to do a couple of store walks with Manishi when obviously I was the general manager of Diageo. We worked very closely because obviously the size of Diageo and uh, Johnny Walker Black Label specifically in uh, Mumbai, and we had a we opened up a Johnny Walker boutique there. But as we all have done these store walks and, you know, meeting senior teams in, your, in our roles, with Manishi, absolutely, you would just tell he was absolutely in the analytics. Um, you know, he told me everything about passenger numbers, boarding card data, uh, nationalities, you know, which days, you know, were had a higher footfall and how that impacted. And just his drive, actually, you know, he was doing things five, six years ago that, we're seeing now he was really ahead of the time and without getting into numbers because all of that's confidential you know the growth that when Manishi took over that business to where he left it was just unbelievable you know the growth was off the chart um so for me Manishi was always for me and that you know absolutely the top couple of operators that um, I work with I was I'm lucky enough to know Atul very well which um uh, Manishi mentioned as well, and we were at Atul's uh, son's wedding together. Uh, I've shared, I shared a helicopter journey with Manishi across Mumbai, which was, I've got to say, was one of the scarier moments of my career. Um, but that being aside, I'm that he's a really good guy. Uh, he genuinely is a good guy. When he moved into his own business, I just knew he was going to carry that forward. Me and Manishi have discussed a couple of projects together, actually. And what I get with Manishi is, if you look at most of his competition in our industry, generally speaking, it's companies that have got domestic business uh, and have done well domestically and then come into travel retail and essentially try to just cut and paste. And it's really easy for people to say, oh, you know, travel retail is a different beast uh, when you're not involved. But when you're in it, you understand it really is. And what Manishi brings is absolutely world class capability from himself and his team and He's back in with Microsoft, uh, which I hear him talk about a lot on LinkedIn all of the time. Microsoft are a key partner of his. So you can't question his technology. You know, this is not, you know, second-class technology. This is first-class technology. But then what he does is he brings himself, which is highly sellable, 
uh, you know, and someone you can trust. But on top of that, he brings all of that capability that he just spoke about. But when I am looking for a partner, um, I want somebody, number one, who's got the capability to do the job. Number two, who's got the motivation to do it. But number three, have they actually got the experience to do that? And what you're getting with Manishi is you're getting all three because you are getting someone who's done this before. He understands what it's like to be the retailer and the challenges and the barriers that brings. So if you're a brand owner uh, or an airport or a retailer and you're going to Manishi, you're ticking all three boxes. And then he's got the relationships as well to open a lot, a lot of these conversations. Very well said, Roger. Sorry if we embarrassed you with that. Well-deserved, though, uh, praise Manishi. You know, we like to have interesting guests on the show, but we also like people who are contributing uh, a lot to our industry. And I think Roger just summed up uh, your contribution very well. Manishi, it's been a pleasure to have you with us. You started your business, your new business, at a tough time. You've come through. You're still standing. That's an achievement in itself. And you're starting to flourish. So may it uh, go well. May India continue to recover um, rapidly from the COVID situation and of course may the same apply to your travel retail industry in India and may uh, may the New Zealand cricket team turn the tables on <laughs> India next time we play. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Manishi Samuel, thanks for being on Tripod. Thanks, Martin. Thanks for very kind words, Roger. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Manishi. Speak soon. Well, Roger, as with every guest, we have had on this show, I thought Manishi was fascinating, interesting life journey, interesting career journey, and lots to say. And you, as you well said, uh, think very highly of him. So I think that was a, a good session. I think it was really good. I think what you get with Manishi is, honestly, friendship. Um, you know, he's a real good guy. He's one of the good guys of our industry. But not only that, he backs that up with intelligence. Uh, he's articulate uh, and analytical, and I think his business is one to watch, Martin. I think they will become number one in what he does in, in our industry, backed by Microsoft, which, you know, you know Mani as Manishi says, you know, are absolutely fantastic partners of his. All right, well said, Roger. Well, we've got a couple of very special guests uh, lined up in our pipeline uh, where there is no shortage of availability. Uh, or supply some great people coming up. Uh, we'll tell you about those via our website in coming days. But for now, this is Martin Moody saying, see you next time. See you next week.